Welcome to Offline Thoughts, where I talk about online personalities, cultural events, and popular movements. I'm really glad that you're listening, and I hope you enjoy the episode. So in today's episode, I'd like to talk about the nature of living online. So a lot of us spend a lot of time on apps like TikTok, like Facebook, like Instagram, or even platforms like YouTube. And most of the time, we spend time on these platforms because one, they're free, and two, they're easily accessible, you know, especially these days, you can pretty much get online by just having a phone, you know, you don't need a laptop, you don't need a, an iPad, you don't really need any expensive software, you can get a secondhand phone, and just like that, you're online. And while this is very good for uh, many reasons, so for parts of the world that had been excluded from participating on these platforms, it's obviously very good that they can communicate with people from all over the world, they can exchange ideas, they can learn about other parts of the world that they probably will never see. And also, even if it's not about getting online to learn things, it's also just valuable to be able to have leisure time that is inexpensive and that shows you different things that you wouldn't see normally. And also just to say my my voice sounds funny this week because I'm currently in Kigali and I've got a very bad cold. Actually, it's not too bad. It was bad like a few days ago, but now my voice sounds funny. So that's why I sound like this. But picking up to where I left off, that it's valuable and that it's free and, and accessible. But I think the key term to remember here is that it's free. And often when things are free, it's not that they, they may be free at the point of use, but there's obviously going to be something to pay in some way or another. So if we think about it logically, there's no reason why these platforms like TikTok or Instagram or Facebook or YouTube would spend millions of pounds in or dollars in development, in advertisements, in, in forming infrastructure around these platforms if they weren't going to make their money back. So a lot of us know already that the way they make money often is by is by advertisers so instagram or facebook or twitter now called x would get apple or other smaller um, advertisers to be on their platform so that when we're busy perusing the net when we're on our phones looking at things laughing at things on tiktok the advertisers every so often are able to basically superimpose themselves in our into our leisure time so every now and again you might be on tiktok and you'll be scrolling and you'll see something completely random that you would never look up and that's because they're trying to see if you might be interested in that it's not even always a product to buy it's not as obvious as that sometimes it's just they want to introduce a service that they might introduce later on so they'll they'll have an advertisement that's often that's often positioned as just another form of leisure but actually when you really investigate or even when you look down because now they have to reveal that it's an advert you'll see that little message that says this is a paid advertisement or it's a paid sponsorship and they're very clever in how they show you these advertisements because really especially when you've been on the platforms for a while they're not going to show you something that's like completely completely random what they'll do is that they will have studied your behavior for some time and then they'll show you something that they think that you might be interested or might be open to so let's say you're really interested to watching animal videos as I am then they might show you something cute that you could get for your cat or dog and then they've made a purchase not because they've targeted you aggressively even though I'll talk about why it actually is pretty aggressive but it'll seem like a soft sell it'll seem like a helpful interjection into your life because again they're showing you something that you probably would be interested in in real life if you had come across it the only difference though is that you haven't made that choice to go out of your way and say you know my pet today needs a little toy and i'm going to go to my local like pet shop and buy something so somebody an algorithm a machine you know a group of people out there have studied you for a period of time and they've decided that if they should prompt you in this way and if they should coax you by 
showing you this soft advert, then you are more than likely or there's a high percentage that you're going to buy that thing. So it's only problematic in so far as they've actually kind of taken away your sense, your critical thinking and your ability to make a choice to buy things yourself. It's kind of like when you go into the grocery store and you're buying. So you've got your shopping list that you've written down, you've spent time thinking about. And you go there and you you put those items in your basket. But then when you're paying, you're at the till. And at the till, they always put the fun things there. They'll put like the nice snacks, the chocolates, the, the crisps, the things that they know people try not to have. But everybody sort of likes those treats because, you know, they're treats. So it, they kind of trigger you to make irrational, emotional purchases at the very last minute. It's kind of exactly like that, except that it's not... I think it's even more blatant in in than that in some ways, but it's also much more subtle than that because a lot of us actually do know that some the the worst place to be at the end of a shop, especially if you've been shopping for a long time and you're hungry and you're getting cranky, is that the the most vulnerable you are to buying stuff impulsively is obviously at that last minute part at the till. So a lot of us actually are kind of aware of that and on guard against that. Whereas when you're passively scrolling through TikTok or passively thro- scrolling through through um Instagram, the effect is not the same. Your self defenses are actually down. And again, they're down because I think a lot of us aren't aware or don't feel like it's a commercial enterprise that we're participating in. So because it's free at the point of use, it's free for us. We don't go into it. So when we go into a supermarket, we obviously recognize that it's a business that's trying to make money. They're selling items, they're selling food, they're selling pet stuff, they're spending, you know, they sell all kinds of stuff, but we're aware that it's a business we're walking into. And because we're aware it's a business we're walking into, that um, way of survival is by getting us to buy as much as possible where we have our critical thinking faculties with us as we're walking through the store so when we smell the delicious bread we know that they're trying to prompt us to spend more time there and for us to go to that section and buy stuff we hadn't planned on when we walk by like the aisles and we see that all the the all the fun bits are always at eye level we're kind of aware of that and we're like oh no you're not going to get me today or when you go and there's like all these sticky these little stickers that say it's like 20 percent off or 30 percent off you know every now and again we'll be will be triggered to buy those things but with with a little bit of time and practice you realize that actually it's rarely ever a very good deal so you're able to sort of guard against that whereas with instagram or TikTok or YouTube or whatever it is, I just don't think we're thinking about it as a business that's designed to extract from us as much as possible. We're not scrolling through TikTok and thinking, actually what I'm doing right now is that I'm selling my data and I'm selling my time and that's what they're trying to get from me right now. What they're trying to extract from me are those two things that are very valuable. And they're also going to do those things in a way that isn't transparent to me because part of the the pleasure of being on these platforms is to literally not think. So when I'm watching pet videos, for example, I'm not thinking. I'm, I'm feeling more than thinking really I'm feeling like oh isn't that cute isn't that funny isn't that whatever it is or let's say I'm watching how-to videos or like you know you know those like ha- like hack videos like hack how to how to like wear a top in 20 different ways or hack how to travel or hack how to check your hotel room is like clean you know those kind of hacks you're you're thinking obviously because you're still engaging with the content, but you're not thinking in a critical sense in the sense that you're not thinking, oh, okay, well, I like the video about cleaning and that's why the next 25,000 videos I'm going to see is about cleaning. 
or if like you're into politics like you'll watch a video on on let's say you watch something a video about trump and trump said something stupid and you spend a lot of time watching that video maybe you watched it a few times then all you start seeing is like stuff about the republican party or trump or about politics and you might not be on on instagram or tiktok for politics maybe you're just there to literally be brain dead to literally just lie on your bed or like lie on your sofa and just scroll like unthinkingly but then all of a sudden you're getting these things that are like triggering you because they're saying things that are outrageous or they're getting you emotional in a way that you hadn't planned on being emotional and again that's only happening because as you're watching these things as you're engaging with the platform whatever the platform is the platform is also engaging with you and they actually have the upper hand in many respects because not only are they able to keep a track of everything you're doing and everything you're seeing and how you're engaging and make a prediction on how you're going to behave in the future they've got a better view of you than you do because in any given day you wake up and you feel very different so you might wake up one day and you feel like oh do you know what especially on a day like today it's new year's day obviously and you wake up and you think you know what new year new me i'm going to start exercising and working out and being healthy so you've woken up that day and you want to watch new videos because that's a new you today and the next day you might wake up and think, actually, do you know what? I'm not feeling well. I want to have a cozy day in. So you only have sort of short views of yourself. Like if I was to ask the average person or even ask myself, what were you thinking, you know, 839 days ago, you would have no clue. Or how are you feeling 632 days ago? You have no clue. But the thing is, is that the, the platforms do know that. They literally have a second by second view of what you've been doing, what you've been feeling, how you've been engaging with that content. And that's why they're able to learn you so effectively because they don't forget how you felt yesterday or a thousand days ago they are able to keep track of who you are at your core because it's not reliant on whimsical changes in personalities on an on a day-to-day basis they actually have a a long-term view of the kind of person that you are with with the uh, with the kind of information that you, you engage with and they also are able to make predictions about not only what you're going to watch but also even things like your aspirations so sometimes you watch something let's say you know one of the things i see online all the time is about soft life which i'll be talking about next week so let's say you're a woman who's into the soft life um, aesthetic and the and the movement if you want to call it that in general they are able to see that you like that content and because they've got a view of other people who like that content they can make certain assumptions about you they might make assumptions about you that you might have been in the corporate world and you've been burnt out and now you're trying to have more leisurely engagements so they might start showing you things about hotels and trips away and massages and things like that they might also think actually this is somebody who's aspirational they're not trying to struggle they're not trying to live difficult a difficult life maybe i will maybe they will position more luxury items Items. you'll start seeing like Chanel stuff or or Dolce & Gabbana stuff stuff that communicates like soft life wealth like not struggling because again it's not just that they have a view of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and what you're engaging with they also have information on other people like you and the kinds of things that they're interested in doing and then also are able to use predictive modeling to basically predict your next behavior and your next not not next like phase but initially phase so there's probably a lot of crossover between people who were into boss bay era and then soft life era because maybe they tried the the boss bay area and they realized that actually capitalism is pretty difficult to sort of win then they realize it's not worth the struggle and they actually prefer to have a, a softer life so 
they're able to study groups of people and then position you in it. So in terms of sort of you being able to put up your self-defenses, so I use the analogy of going to the supermarket and sort of having your defenses about you, where when you're going through the different aisles, you're sort of aware that it's a business and what they are trying to extract from you, which is money for goods. So when you see the discounts, you you, you sort of pay close attention. You think, actually, is this a good deal or is, is, it, is this something I would even buy or am I just buying it because it's, it's on sale or when you smell the bread and it's delicious you think okay they're trying to trigger me obviously it's different when you're online because again the machine has such an advantage over you the algorithm has such an advantage over you and the only way really to be able to to practically be on the defense all the time it would be for you to literally remember everything that you're doing and for you to be aware all the time when you're online that this is a machine that's trying to extract things from you they're trying to extract information data points behavior from from you and that's obviously not going to be possible you are going to be at ease because that's the nature of the platforms the platforms are there to pacify us you know like when you're scrolling on tiktok when you're scrolling on instagram like you're in a pacified state that's why advertisers love it the most vulnerable time that you are at is obviously when your conscious mind is not engaged and so that's why i don't know if you guys know when they used to flash like when you used to be in the cinema like way back and they would flash like adverts like like literally microsecond flashes like something like coca-cola and it would flash up so quickly and disappear so quickly you would have no idea that 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 flash had come onto the screen and the idea behind that is that because you're watching a film and you're so engrossed you're in the cinema you're with other people you're in that passive state when that flash comes on you don't even have time to register what has just happened because again you're in a pacified state you're in a state where your critical faculties are not being engaged with and that's why advertisers love these other platforms these modern day platforms like instagram and tiktok and youtube we're in pacified states when we're on these platforms when you're watching a prank video when you're watching hacks when you're watching whatever you watch on these platforms your mind is not engaged in a critical way your your subconscious is easily manipulatable so that's why they're literally willing to pay millions millions of pounds to place an advert that might not even land with you so they have no guarantee that that advert is going to be a hundred percent accurate for you because again it's so precise it requires a long time to get to learn you and to get to be able to trigger you but they hope that because you're in a pacified state because you're not thinking critically and you're and you're basically at the subconscious level they're hoping that even if they should plant that idea in your head it might not be today that you make that purchase but in the future you're more inclined to make that purchase or when it comes to time to buying a present for somebody for example it'll be in the back of your mind that you saw that cute animal that cute pet thing or that cute utensil you could buy your mom or that that workout machine or those cloths that like absorb lots of water i don't know if you've seen that it'll be at the back of your mind even the fact that i could just recall these random adverts that i saw i don't know how long ago it speaks to how how effective they are so they want to be able to linger in the recesses of your mind without you being aware that they're there and before i go into why all this is problematic in the first place note as well that it's not just your behavior that they're studying online so they're not just using the data points that you've given them like with your free will like you've engaged in the platform you've been on twitter for example and you've you know left comments under videos and you've liked certain videos and you've shared certain content and therefore the platform knows that's the kind of things that that you like or interested in and this is the kind of person or the kind of profile they've been able to build of you because of your engagement it's even things like 
when you join up to the platform and you you scroll through that like thousand page document that talks about terms and conditions that nobody ever reads in a lot of cases you're actually signing away so many permissions you're saying that they can access the people you talk to on those platforms they can track what you do on those platforms they can share the content with other people and usually they say for legitimate purpose purposes but when you drill down to the detail it basically means they can sell your data to absolutely anybody for all time basically and and this is the part that i find horrific some of the times as well we're also agreeing for them to access our device outside using the platform so you know with the cambridge analytica scandal that came out where it showed that facebook had been basically selling personal information of facebook users to like political groups for them to be manipulated for the for the 2016 elections uh, was it 2016 yeah for the 2016 elections what they were doing was that they basically had this app on facebook and it was like a really benign app it was like a it was like animal farm i don't know if you guys remember that that app animal farm where you used to like buy like crops and plants and you basically like farm virtually so it was like a it was like an innocuous like app like that where you'd sign up and you'd be playing the game but part of the condition to play the to play the game or to be able to use the app was that you had to give them permission to access all your friends and all your friends devices so that's how they were able to harvest basically millions and millions of personal information without other people having to sign up to the app and it's also still going on with other apps that we use right now like tiktok and instagram and facebook and youtube when we sign up we're not just signing up to using the platform we're signing up for them to literally access our devices to access our messages to access our internet to access our search history to access literally everything on that device and and especially in modern times like the device is basically the person because we spend so much time on our devices everything we do the things that we buy the places that we're going to go to we book our trips we book our holidays on our phones so if a company should have unfettered or pretty much unfettered access to our devices, that's they literally own who we are. They know who who we are in in a very fundamental way. Like even our friends and family don't know us as intimately as they know us because obviously we show different parts of ourselves to different people. Whereas on your phone, you, you, you're you on your phone all day long. Every thought that comes into your mind, you probably Google on your phone. You have your notes, your notes app where you keep your innermost thoughts. It has the history of all the things that you've purchased. You know, it, it literally knows you inside and out. So if a company has access to that information, why should they not be able to trigger you to purchase something or 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 position your specific feed to make you feel as though it's tailoring it to you for your benefit when actually what they're doing is that they're positioning themselves to be able to sell us or sell you to advertisers because they can basically build a profile of who you are and say this person has a propensity for x y and z they have an income level of this much they're in this location this age group in this cultural background or this class socioeconomic background and they're like Likely or unlikely to buy these items and that's valuable information to these companies and that is that's why i said that it's actually a very aggressive form of advertisement or of getting you to buy something so earlier when i talked about you watching loads of pet videos and then one day seeing something about like a cute pet toy for you to buy and how that seems like it's actually a very soft way of selling something to you because you know you're already looking at pet stuff you have a pet probably you like animals anyway why is it aggressive if somebody should just show you a pet item for you to buy for your pet 
well it's aggressive because the way in which they got to learn that information about you was in really manipulative aggressive ways they harvested your information they weaponized it against you and they all also sold it to you in a way that meant that you were not able to make an active decisive decision to buy that item that's pretty aggressive and you know what even when it isn't about selling something directly so even if it isn't about getting advertisers to place their products and services um, intermittently into your feed for you to buy them even when you buy nothing they're still harvesting your data and that data is valuable because that data basically gives them an insight into consumer behavior not just an insight it's a clear it's basically being able to predict people's behavior because the data points are so vast it's not like they're just able to collect a few thousand points they're able to harvest millions and millions of people's data not just once a week but literally every day and every hour and every minute and every second they're online so they're able to to build really accurate profiles of how different types of people engage with different types of content and that information itself is valuable because typically when people engage in consumer in consumer behavior studies they have to hire people they have to pay them and and the scale is always limited because their funds are limited so if you want to like find out if like a new a new range of crisps or chocolates is going to be um is going to be popular or do well then typically you would hire a group of people you know depending on what your budget is let's say you hire like a thousand people to give you their opinions on the chocolate or the crisps and to rank them out of 10 on flavors and other different metrics that's a lot of time that's a lot of money they bypass that by going straight to these platforms because these platforms have one way more people that they can harvest information on and also the information is of a much more much more microscopic level you know it's like it's much more detailed and because it's much more detailed it's much more valuable valuable and in the real world they would have had to pay a lot more money for information like that so putting aside the informational issues you know the fact that they're accessing all this information without your consent the fact that they're using it for unknown purposes the fact that it's so invasive and they basically get it from every every aspect of your phone and then also putting aside aside the issue of agency you know them basically manipulating you to behave in ways you wouldn't consent have consented to or might not have consented to even if it was a fair exchange so let's say Outside those issues, you have a great time on these social media platforms. You enjoy being on there. You learn about things. You learn about different types of people across the world. You know, you maybe use it as a business tool to market yourself to other people, or maybe just as a as maybe just as a simple recreational tool. You know, like after a long day at work, after you come home and you're tired and you've had your dinner, you just spend an hour or two scrolling, and that gives you some psychological respite. It gives you a chance to basically not think. Assuming that that's the worst of it, why are these social media platforms not good? Or why is it not good to spend so much time online on these digital platforms? The first reason is that we have to remember the nature of these platforms and while they're there. So when you look at these platforms, they often position themselves as really revolutionary apps. So Facebook talks about how it's its mission to let con- to uh, connect the world and for you to make friends all over the world and have access to your friends and family no, mer- no matter where you are. TikTok is about 
is about exposure to ideas and things that you wouldn't have come across. And they all, you know, if you went through their mission statement and you went to their official websites, I'm sure you find the same kind of language. Revolutionary, about connecting people, about moving society forward. But the reality of it is really they're, they're slaves to their masters and those masters are the advertisers. So really their core mission, and I would argue probably one of the only real, real true, unchanging, unyielding mission, is to keep you on that platform for as long as possible and they will deploy any number of tools for you to stay online one of those tools is to show you exactly what you want to see and that might sound like a good thing because you know if you're into sports you'll see lots of sports if you're into like animal videos you'll see lots of animal videos but the problem with that is that if you are feeling if you're feeling bad so if it isn't just sort of like innocent or or non non-negative viewing then that's fine if all you're watching is lighthearted things then all you're going to get is more lighthearted things and that's that feeling of lightheartedness and seeing fun things and seeing silly things is going to be amplified so you're going to be cackling and giggling away or just being entertained in a harmless way and that's okay outside the being targeted to buy stuff that's fine the problem is that when you also engage with negative things or things that are negative by nature, and I don't mean negative like you have to be positive at all times, obviously the world is also filled with bad things and you're going to come across negative things. And those negative things can have a circular effect on your well-being, on your psychological well-being. So if all if you engage with lots of politics, for example, and you engage in politics like the Israel-Palestine uh, discussion right now not discussion the outright slaughter of palestinians by israel if you watch those that content and you see these horrific videos of what they're doing to the palestinians that's what you're going to keep seeing over and over again or let's say you watch videos on on police brutality in the u.s and you see and you watch videos of police officers killing young black children or young black teenagers or black people in general you're going to keep seeing more and more of that th- of those things or whatever it is you know the politics of your respective country you know i'm in the uk right now if you watch politics around how bad the conservatives really are and how much people are looking forward to them no longer being in office again you're going to want see lots of content that shows you the incompetence of the conservatives and that might be good at first because you're seeing the things that interest you and you're learning about things that interest you but realistically there's only so much of that content you can take you you can't take two three four five six hours of that content every single day and that not have a circular negative effect on your psychological well-being because what that's doing is that it's confirmation bias so the more that you're watching something the more it creates a perception that thing is bigger than it actually is so if you watch a video let me make it less political make it more sort of relatable to a lot to more people let's say you're a woman who watches videos about how men are trash, basically. You are going to see many more videos that show that men are trash, that has women talking about men being trash, that shows men being trash, and that's going to confirm your worldview that men are trash. And that has an effect outside the digital world because when you come to engage in the real world, when it comes to your dating life, when it comes to your romantic life, when it comes to engaging with men that are non-romantic, just men in your life, you're going to have that perception or that anticipation that they're going to be 
trash basically and depending on where you are psychologically it might mean that you lower your standards that you actually accept people men in your life that treat you like trash even though obviously there's lots of kind people out there if you are somebody who is more self-protective it might mean that you just refuse or are very hesitant or very skeptical of men in general which means you don't engage with them in an open sort of way which is going to confirm your expectation because you're not going to be receiving information that counters what you already believe so the algorithm is showing you more and more of the things that you already believe which makes your world smaller in a way because it's it's limiting to see things that only you that you already know to be true or that you already perceive to be true because that's that's not expansive what's expansive is when you see something that you literally had never thought about or had never considered so somebody says something that you that has never crossed your mind and it has that ring of truth and I don't even know if you know that feeling of like you come across something and it just rings true because it's something that is inherently easy to believe you know my best friend likes to say that when you hear the truth the truth screams loudly and it might be a truth that you never knew but once you hear it you know it to be true without question so it's like it's expansive to expose to be exposed to different ideas and to different people saying different things even if you don't like the things that they're saying because there's an opportunity for you to be exposed to things you might not have come across so it's expansive it's like there's more things coming into your world there's more things coming into your mind there are more things for you to consider but when you're when you're online the algorithm is showing you the same things over and over again so it's literally making your world smaller and smaller and smaller it's making you believe that that's all there is out there and whatever beliefs and thoughts and preconceived notions you have about people or places or situations or things it's confirming those things so again because it's a business that's designed to keep you there as possible it's in its own interest it's in these platforms interest to not make life difficult for you it's much it's much easier for them to go down the route of just literally showing you things that you've already shown yourself to engage with. They know you either like it or you hate it, but either way you engage with that content. That way they don't have to go back to the drawing board and sort of try and, and generate more content that, that you might not like when they already have a confirmed profile of the things that you've liked because you've watched them, you've liked them, you've commented under them, or you've shared it with another person. So even if it was a fair exchange, it's always going to be inherently dangerous to the individual engaging with these platforms because it's just going to amplify whatever that person is feeling. And in situations where they're feeling light and happy and empowered and positive, that's great because they're probably going to see content of that nature. But when it's not that, when it is negative content, when it's negative information that they're watching and, and politicized information or emotional information, then that's negative because it's going to also it's also going to basically create an echo chamber and make it seem as though that's what the world is out there when of course the world is many different things and connected to the idea is actually it gives you a, it gives you a false sense of security because when you have a thought in your own mind and you haven't shared it before you actually have to sort of see what the environment around you because we're social beings to see what other people think so i had an episode um in episode one i talked about toxic femininity it was a toxic i talked about toxic uh, masculinity and i talked about passport bros and incels in general and the reason why incels can go online and be so verbose and be so out there about their opinions despite the fact that they're a minority fringe that most people think are, are quite crazy 
is that when they are online and they're watching stuff and they're consuming content, they're watching each other. And they're and it's creating the impression that most men believe these things. That most men only want to sleep with like, uh, that most men consider any woman over 25 like leftovers. Or that they think that the ideal woman to be with is a, an 18-year-old girl. Or that women are there to be used for sex and not for conversation. Or, you know, most people don't believe these things. The overwhelming majority of people don't believe these things. But the fact that these... The, this this group of people can have the confidence to come online show their faces despite the fact that they have real world jobs and how that could compromise their earning potential it's because they're in echo chambers of their own so they go online they go on tiktok they search information that confirms what they already are feeling inside and the algorithm throws them more and more and more content it shows them hundreds of other men saying the same thing thousands of other men showing the same thing and because it's so many people saying the same kinds of thing things as them it gives them the false sense of security that the world believes that in that the world agrees with them shall we say and what they forget and what we forget when we're in these platforms is that the world is bigger than the platform. There are hundreds of millions of people who are not on these platforms. There are there's billions of people on this world. So even if you were to find a million people that believe what you are believe that you believe, it still wouldn't be like it still wouldn't be enough to say that what you're saying is believed by the majority because again I think it's where like 7.5 billion people and if you take a million people that's not even that's not even not point not 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 one percent of the population so it it creates a perception because you see many people saying the same thing as you that what you believe is true and is valid and should be expressed and internalized and continued to sort of build on or put another way, it kind of it kind of confirms delusion in certain respects. It either confirms preconceived notions, but in extreme cases, like the one I just described, it literally confirms delusions because the people who are believing these things are only consuming the same information as each other. So they're basically both confirming each other's delusions. Whereas in normal circumstances outside the outside the digital world, somebody would express a. a, a like a crazy idea or a hateful idea and there would be a social cost to them expressing that opinion that would teach them that actually the majority are not okay with that so when somebody comes out and says a racial slur people respond negatively and they isolate them or they're reprimanded or they lose their job or hopefully something negative happens to them and through that process they learn that that thing that they said or did is a negative thing and the reverse is also true obviously when people express racial slurs or homophobic slurs or whatever it is and the environment around them confirms it or laughs it off or sweeps it under the drug under the the rug then that behavior and those thoughts and belief systems are also allowed to continue. So the digital space is obviously no different. The only difference, however, is that there's never is that counter voice for you. There's never that fact check or gut check or or just a check on your thinking. Because again, the algorithm is designed to give you exactly what you like and to actually filter out the people who are dissenting voices or people who disagree with you or anybody who might make you feel uncomfortable in in the things that you like to enjoy and the final thing I'll touch upon although I could go on forever about this is and it's kind of connected to not delusion exactly but in, in a way because 
The delusion component comprises you not being able to properly assess reality and what other people think and believe and to position yourself with the majority in the sense that most people are good and you tend to go with most people's beliefs because they're probably right. So it when you live your life online so much and you're spending hours and hours on the platform, outside the confirmation bias, outside the echo chamber, outside being triggered to behave and and purchase things that you might not have wanted to purchase or engage with, it actually makes you lose like social skills in general because the way you engage with social media world is very different to how you engage with the real world. So in social media world, people spend hours creating content to make you laugh, for example, to make you laugh. And when you look at that video, you think it's funny and you say, LOL, you write LOL underneath and that's the extent, or you put like a a smiling or a laughing emoji and that's the extent to which you've communicated or responded to content or put another way, that's how you've communicated in that situation. Or let's say somebody annoys you, then you can basically be, because people tend to be anonymous, they tend to have screen names, they tend to have a name that's not connected to their real world online, especially when they spend a lot of time online, then sometimes when they see things they don't like or people they don't like for whatever reason, then they don't respond in a way that is socially acceptable in any other circumstance. So in real life, if somebody you don't, if somebody at work, for example, says something that you don't like, you usually minimize it and you kind of like play it off or you kind of maybe express the fact that you know, that displeased you somewhat, but it's all very muted and it's all very civilized and it's all very quiet. Whereas when you're online, you can say the nastiest things to people because they're not real people to you. So somebody will express literally a valid opposite opinion to you and you will come for their family, you will come for their intelligence, you will come for them as a human being, even though you don't know anything about them. They've literally just released content that you don't like or that you might find offensive. But that doesn't really give people the right to become disrespectful or unkind or to start hurling the kinds of abuse and threat that we see casually online. Like people will people will threaten rape just because women go out and talk about soft life, for example, and how they don't want to do 50-50 or they don't want to mule for men or people will threaten death just because somebody believes in a different political ideology or a different they've got a different religious perspective they'll say these outlandish extreme things that they really are only saying because they feel comfortable and safe behind a keyboard and in real life they really would not say those things because again it takes a lot of kahunas to be able to say some of these things but even though they know not to say these things, I think over time it degrades your capacity to know how to communicate appropriately to things. So I've noticed, for example, in younger people who like when you have a conversation on the phone with them, they don't know how to start the conversation normally. Like just to say, oh, hi, how are you? How's your day going? Just to make the little, that little chit chat that you engage with at the beginning of a phone call or the beginning of a meeting before the main topic of discussion comes about. So it'll just be sort of like, hi. And you'll have to prompt them to be like, so, you know, how are you? How was your day? You know, what's going on? How's life? just basic communication skills that comes about when you're engaging with people in the real world and you have to like greet them for example and you have to like have a conversation with them another thing i notice as well is they can express extreme behaviors or extreme expressions that they don't realize are extremes because they live so much online so they might say things that they believe about women or men or dating or sex or for example an example of this is Part of the feminist movement is about sexual liberation, obviously. 
That doesn't mean, though, it's appropriate to talk about your sex life in public and around people that haven't consented to hear that. But sometimes you'll hear women talk about these things in all kinds of inappropriate spaces, maybe on the bus or in a cafe really loudly or around people that they don't know well, or God forbid, even in the workspace, they'll start talking about vibrators, for example, they'll talk about people they slept with. And you think to yourself, like, this is actually widely or wildly unacceptable, but they spend so much time online consuming the same kind of empowerment content that they don't realize, realize how inappropriate that conversation is and outside that as well even just even just things like when somebody says something just even knowing how to laugh not just saying lol or because the words that you use online tend to be simple but extreme words to communicate like your feelings so somebody sends you a joke and you'll say lol regardless of how funny that joke is that joke might have been like a two out of ten out of funny but what you'll say is lol laughing out loud or you'll say rolling on the floor laughing out loud or you'll say oh i'm dying or i'm crying but you're literally just sitting there with a straight face when you receive the message so that can translate over into real life where people have inappropriate or disproportionate responses to real life situations and they don't know how to temper their their responses to be appropriate to the situation and you can see that in how they behave in that let's say somebody's having an emotional moment and they literally don't know how to comfort somebody they don't know how to say i'm so sorry you're going this going through this how can i help you can i give you a hug can i get you a cup of tea they don't know those social skills because they only engage with the world online and it's different it's a different skill set being online versus obviously being in person so they don't know how to behave appropriately or somebody expresses like I said, something they don't like and they don't know that it's okay to just shrug it off and and minimize it. Not everything has to be a big discussion. You don't always have to voice your opinion and it's also not always wise to voice your opinion and also not all opinions are equally valid because the thing about being on social media world, it's literally a free-for-all. The difference between syndicated television, for example, and, and TikTok is that the journalists on TikTok probably have degrees, probably work for a network where there's consequences to what they say and that other people can sue them for misinformation or for other problems if they don't report appropriately or if they suppress information or if they only give you part of the truth that makes the whole story misleading. There are checks and balances to the kinds of information they can put out and the way in which they can put out that information. The, the reverse is not true on TikTok. It's literally a wild west for everybody. So they'll say, whatever they want to say and when you are the person consuming that information you don't have the time to fact check a a thousand videos that you've watched in the space of like half an hour because the scrolling each video is literally like 10 seconds long so what happens is you can end up consuming information that is actually pretty extreme and not connected to the real world and also just not true and then you end up saying those things in the real world as though those things are appropriate or true or or even if they're true assume that it's okay to say just because that's the kind of content that you see and the analogy I would use with this actually about extreme behavior online that ends up manifesting itself to a lower extent in real life is when you come across somebody who con- who consumes a lot of porn pornography 
So because they consume a lot of pornography, they have no idea that most people are not like that and they have a different worldview. So they'll ex- they'll say like words that are just completely x-rated for the real world to say so they'll use the p word or a c word or or they'll mention like sexual acts when they're talking about their partners in a way that is actually pretty shocking and like really really disjointing because you're not expecting that kind of words or those kinds of words or those kinds of expressions to just come about in casual conversation but because of this because they're so deeply ingrained they've kind of lost sight of what's socially appropriate to say and lost sort of the social skills of knowing what to talk about around you know which group of people and when to know not to say certain things and that's exactly the same thing when people spend a lot of time online in less extreme ways they're they also lose their social skills in knowing how to just communicate on a basic level just greeting engaging in chit chat being able to let things go and then also just have to how to have appropriate responses to situations where you're not saying things that are are off key or extreme or just not right for that environment and I think the more time we spend online the more that these social skills degrade and they happen ever so so subtly it's not as though you're on TikTok one day and then all of a sudden you can't engage in normal conversation or you're talking about vibrators at work and you don't know why people are giving you the side eye it happens over time because the more you're engrossed in the world of of social media again all these things are happening on a subconscious level and because it's happening on a self-conscious level the changes that are happening in you aren't even being observed by you so it might not be until somebody points out and says something like you know that's a weird thing that you said or you notice that they're looking at you funny or you notice that there are social consequences to something you've said it isn't until then that you notice that actually those things have had a psychological impact on you or that they have fundamentally changed parts of your personality and when people engage with this content particularly when they're very young when they haven't formed their personality personalities when they don't know who they are yet when they don't know what they believe in yet then that can have a really profound effect on the kinds of person they end up becoming and if it's the kind of person who watches only positive empowering inclusive content that's fantastic but the reality of the world is that that's not the case it's all kinds of content that people are 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 engaging with and consuming and also actually this is a sad fact but angry content there's this great book called um on cambridge analytica um i think it came out like a few years ago if you look it up it's pretty pretty much like the only book that comes up it was written by the whistleblower his name escapes me right now but it talks about how it's not just that you consume more content the more content you consume online and it's circular in that way it's specifically that actually angry negative emotionally charged content does better so the more time you spend online the more it's radicalizing people in in a variety of ways that you know you can't foretell how it's going to manifest in the real world so obviously it being the first of the month first of january lots of people probably have um new year intentions shall we say or new year resolutions and one of mine is definitely going to spend more time thinking about things offline as the as the podcast is called because i think obviously that's when we do our, our best thinking because when you're thinking offline you actually have a time you have time to process your own thoughts and interrogate your own thoughts and for you to engage with things in a broader sense you know like when you read a book you're 
reading something that somebody went to great lengths to cult to put together for you. They've probably spent hundreds of hours thinking about it and writing and went through various editing levels and went through marketing, went through legal, went through lots of things. When you engage in that content, it's content that's much more responsibly done and that's much more informative. And it allows you to form fully formed thoughts with with an opportunity for friction and that friction comes from people challenging you in a way that you think whereas when you only get your information or your communication from from these social media platforms although it feels good in the moment in that you're getting lots of different pieces of information from lots of different types of people when you stop and you think about at the end of the day what you've actually learned you actually can't think of many things because it never gives you the chance to really critically engage with the content or to even have time to absorb and to use that information you've learned. So one of my new year's resolutions is it's kind of, obviously I have to be online for this podcast because that's where I troll and I see things, but definitely to spend more time being conscious about the content that I consume and to consume content that isn't just digital, to consume things where I'm consuming things and it's only a one-way process. When you're reading a book, the book isn't reading you. It isn't learning your behavior. It isn't learning how you think and how you behave in order to influence you in some way. So that's the value of sort of not being so online because you're able to have reprieve from that constant manipulation and constant profile building in a way that's designed to trigger you to behave in ways that you might not want to behave or might not have decided to behave if you were thinking like consciously and critically. Um, so I'm not thinking that people are going to not go on TikTok or not go on Instagram, because again, there's still a value in sort of being online and being leisurely and scrolling things and seeing fun things and seeing silly things. But it shouldn't be at the expense of your mental well-being. It shouldn't be at the cost of you having agency over your life and you being the person who's in the control seat of deciding the kinds of content you consume, the kinds of belief you come to hold, the kinds of decisions you end up making in terms of buying things or engaging in other content, you know? It should be basically, you know, that that advert they have, that little note they have uh, under alcohol advertisement. It should be consumed responsibly, you know, like alcohol, small doses rather than sort of engaging with it all the time because you lose sight quickly of of where the real you begins and the the manipulated you ends basically so that wraps up today's episode um thank you so much for tuning in it's the first of the year um i would love to hear from you about what your new year's intentions are if you have any new year's resolutions my emails in the eep is in the podcast description as always And if you listen to the very end, I would love if you hit the follow button. Thank you so much and catch you in the next one.